Hey guys, before we get started with this episode, I just wanted to interject real quick. Um, I thought this was going to be a one-part episode, and then I kind of realized uh, what my timestamp was when I got to a certain point, and I was already just about to the limit that I really wanted to be at. So this is actually going to be split into two parts, uh, and I will kind of address that towards the end once I realize, oh, I've got a lot of time, I'm already recorded a lot of time. So this will be part one of a two-part episode um, titled The Great Manifesto. So enjoy. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Soundbite Gospel. I'm your host, Travis Hayes. And this week's episode, I'm titling The Great Manifesto. Uh, I am very excited about this episode. I actually was uh, working out the notes on the couch a couple days ago and looked at my wife and said, this is probably going to be the best episode yet. Um, so I will let you be the judge of that. But hey, before we get started, if you don't mind, um, give Soundbite Gospel a, a rating on the Apple Store or Google Store, not Spotify. I'm still a little bitter about Spotify not having a review system, um, but give it a review, uh, share it. Um, leave me some feedback. Let me know what you think, what you like, what you don't like. If you like, you know, go me going back to the, the soundproof room from season one, as opposed to recording on my back porch, because as you know, it is raining. Um, let me know which one uh, you like better, because um, this seems a little more conversational, but at the same time, I am open to criticism, um, good or bad. Um, so either way, let me know. Um, this week's episode, I want to start with the most well-known uh, account of Jesus. And this is the uh, outside of the crucifixion, obviously, and the resurrection. Um, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Um, whether you are a Christian or not, you've probably heard of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, most of the time when we think of it, we think of the question of, addressing how does an individual go to heaven you know because we talked about the kingdom of heaven kingdom of god um if you want to know my opinions on what the kingdom of god is um go back a few episodes i talk about what is the gospel uh, i think it's from, yeah, it's from season one um and it's a two-parter what is the gospel part one and part two go back listen to that um, to know my opinions on what is the kingdom of god and or the heaven um but I think the Sermon on the Mount addresses something a little bit different. Uh, it's not so much about you know how does an individual go to heaven. It is really what does life in the kingdom look like? Because what, what, what does life in the kingdom right now look like? What is the kingdom message versus conventional wisdom or the conventional message in this world? And so that that's where I think the, it is the question being addressed in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So let's just, we're going to go through it. There's going to be a lot of scripture reading in this episode, but that's okay. It's the soundbite gospel, so we should have some scripture reading. Um, let's start with Matthew 5, verse 1. And it says, When he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Pause. I love that Jesus sat down to teach. I think it's so... Uh, opposite of what we're used to now, where we have a uh, somebody deliver a sermon from a pulpit standing up in front of a large crowd. Um, Jesus is humbling himself and sitting and teaching and still 
sitting down, he is able to captivate the attention of his listeners. Um, and what's the first thing he says? He goes into what we know as the Beatitudes. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness. And he goes and talks about all these people who are being blessed. And to us, it seems like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, because we kind of know the story of Jesus. We know all this. But to the original audience, this doesn't make sense. Because they would be thinking, what? Jesus, what are you talking about? What do you mean blessed are the poor? Blessed are the, the, the meek. Um, because in the days of Jesus, the people who were blessed were those who were rich. People who were blessed were those who life was going well for them and were strong and had strong armies. That's what they thought the people who were blessed were. Not the weak or the poor but Jesus, in his left-handed power, um, comes and says, No, I'm flipping this all on its head. Blessed are those who are poor, meek, those who are, are righteous and, and um, are pure of heart, for they shall receive mercy. And so it's so crazy. And I think sometimes we forget and we miss the absolute ground-shaking message of Jesus in his teachings just because we're so separated culturally and, and we forget to put ourselves in those shoes of the original audience we try to make it so individualistic um, but let's continue um, in verse 17 do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets I have come not to abolish but to fulfill now fulfill is a interesting word and he's talking about he's coming to deepen it and raise the bar He's not come to do away with it, but it basically you have heard it said this way, but I'm saying, you know, I'm raising the bar for you. And he actually goes right into what that is, um, lays the groundwork. And so he goes into exactly what that is in the next verse. It says, you have heard that it was said to, to those of ancient times, you shall not murder and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the fire of Gehenna. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so Jesus is raising the bar. He's fulfilling the law and the prophets. And he's going against this conventional religious morality, which is what the scribes and Pharisees were saying. And Jesus is saying, look, you have to be better than the scribes and Pharisees. You've got to be more righteous than them, which honestly in that, in that day was not super difficult because they were worried about external things. They were worried about the conventional religious morality. You know, they were not, it was all about not doing the external wrong. You know, don't physically murder somebody. Don't physically have uh, an affair with someone. You know, don't physically steal or cheat or lie um, or lot, you know, and all that. But the kingdom manifesto that Jesus comes to bring is dealing with the beyond and beneath that, going deeper and at the same time raising the bar. It's kind of like this uh, analogy of, of killing a spider. You know, you can deal, you know, spiders create these cobwebs in our lives 
and we can, you know, to get rid of them, we can just shake away the cobwebs. We can deal with the external. We can deal with the surface level things. Yet, if we don't deal with the spider, if we don't track it down and try to kill it, it's going to continue making those cobwebs. It's, it's going to continue to infect our lives with webs. And so Jesus is saying, stop worrying about the external things. And, and stop worrying about, you know, your behavioral modification. Because that's what the scribes and Pharisees do. No, go deeper. Deal with the spider that's causing those externals. You know, deal with the lust that's causing adultery. Deal with the anger that's causing the murder. Because then when you deal with that, the external will go away. Subsequently, will just go away. The kingdom of God calls us to deal with the root and seek genuinely a pure of heart. Let's move on. We're, we're moving through this. <laughs> if your right eye causes you to sin. Now, before I continue with this, this is a such an interesting passage that we're about to read. Um, that's kind of debatable on what exactly Jesus is trying to say here. But I'll kind of give you a brief synopsis of what, what I think it's saying. So if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body to be thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into Gehenna. It, it's not about behavior modification and external consequences. Sorry, external changes. Um, I think really, you know, our initial and, and a common translation of this or um, interpretation is like, you know, hey, like if something causes you to sin, like, you know, it'd be better for you to cut it off than to, you know to, than to be thrown into Gehenna. And I, I like the, this quote by Dallas Willard, Dallas Willard that I think explains it a little bit better. It kind of has a different um, viewpoint on it. He says, if not doing anything wrong is the goal, that would be achieved by dismembering yourself and making actions impossible. What you cannot do, you certainly will not do. Remove your eye, your hand, etc. Therefore, and you will roll into heaven a mutilated stump. The price of dismemberment would be small compared to the reward of heaven. That is the logical conclusion for one who held the beliefs of the scribes and the Pharisees. He reduces their principle that righteousness lies in not doing anything wrong to the absurd in the hope that they will forsake their principle and see and enter the righteousness that is beyond the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, beyond where compassion or love and not sacrifice is the fundamental thing. It's beautiful. I mean, it's almost like Jesus kind of goes off on this tangent and makes them want to think a certain way so he can make a point. Um, and Jesus does that. Um, and even Paul does that multiple times um, throughout both their teachings. And I think it's just it's an interesting um, literary and, and teaching strategy. Um, but man, we are, we're only like halfway done with this. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, we're going to have to, we're just going to stop it there because if I don't stop it now, then this is not going to be a soundbite gospel. This is going to be a straight up hour long gospel. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know how else, where else I think this is the best place to end it. Um, we can tune in. Tune in next week. You know we're gonna we're gonna finish this thing off with some really heavy truth that I am really wish I could have gotten to this week. But hey, you know that's 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 what happens when you when you've got some good stuff to lay out. Um, 
But yeah, that's part one of the great manifesto. And may his spirit, love, and shalom be in and with you, my friends. Until next time.